Hello, I am Katerina Sliva. I am a partner at Dentons in the Real Estate Group. I am also the head of our Land Use Planning, Municipal and Development Law Group. I help our developer and landowner clients secure zoning and other development approvals for their projects. I am the lead of our Canada Smart Cities Think Tank. I am also your host for the Smart Cities Chat Podcast Series, brought to you by Dentons. This podcast series covers a broad range of topics within the Smart Cities space. Everything from drones, communication, 5G, privacy and related issues, P3s, transportation and smart mobility, sustainable, smart communities, and much, much more. You can find our episodes at www.dentons.com on our podcast page. There you can access our episodes as well as an episode description for each topic and information on our speakers. And now over to our podcast. Uh, welcome uh, to um, our partner, Catherine McCullough, who is speaking with Bashir Khan, the founder and CEO of Air Matrix, about how drones fit into the smart city ecosystem. Catherine is a partner at Denton's in our Toronto office. Her key areas of practice and expertise include drone regulation and aviation litigation. She advises clients who are well positioned to participate in the smart city sector and uh, include, uh, including drone operators, manufacturers and technology, software, transportation and energy companies. Catherine is also a licensed fixed wing aircraft pilot, so she is exceptionally well equipped to provide advice in this space. Welcome Catherine and Bashir, and I'll leave it to Catherine to introduce uh, Bashir in a more fulsome way. Thank you, Kat. Good afternoon, everyone. Very pleased to be here um, and, and exceptionally pleased to welcome Bashir Khan, um, the founder and CEO of Air Matrix. Um, Bashir is a technology entrepreneur and Canadian innovator who graduated from the University of Toronto. Bashir is part of the Transport Canada Working Group on Unmanned Traffic Management, or UTM the RPAS Traffic Management Action Team, RTMAT, as well as Canada's Mirror Committee on Drone Standards for the International Standards Organization. He's also a member of NASA's Working Group on Transformational Vertical Flight, specifically for public services. He sits on Canada's Flight Safety Action Team, is a fellow at the Ryerson's DMZ, and is an advisor to the board at Linguistics Tank, a global data service provider to the world's largest voice tech platforms such as Google and Microsoft. So Bashir, uh, welcome, very pleased to have you today. Thanks oh, for having me, I'm unmuted now. Excellent, that's great. So our discussion today will focus really on the value proposition that drones offer to smart cities. As drone-related technologies become more sophisticated and efficient, new use cases continue to emerge, particularly in connected ecosystems. Smart city planners are well aware of the potential applications for drones, and really, there truly are endless ways to weave them into the fabric of a connected city. The technology and the ingenuity of those creating it, like Bashir and his team, however, continue to outpace the laws that apply to drone use in Canada. And while the laws are becoming more robust, thanks to the combined efforts of industry and Transport Canada, they are still far from where they need to be to allow drones to really participate in a smart city model. 
So this is where we'll start today uh, with a view of the applicable regulations. And I'll give a brief summary and then I'll turn it over to you, Bashir. Um, I, I expect that many of you in the audience are not familiar with the current regulatory framework for drones. So, so this is the 30,000 foot view. Um, drones are regulated based on risk. So based on how close the operation is to people and property. Um, and different rules apply depending on the scenario. Um, the, the entire system is premised on the drone operator or the pilot being, um, being licensed and, and adhering to those rules. And also on the drone being um, appropriate equipment for the situation and being registered. Um, but, but what um, is next on the regulatory agenda is most interesting. And this is where I'll turn it over to you, Bashir. Um, for a discussion about beyond visual line of sight operations or BV loss. So explain to us, please, what BV loss operations are and how they allow drones to work in an urban environment. Yeah, thanks a lot for that, for that uh, background. Um, so when we think about drones and the value proposition that they really offer to anyone, um, it's the ability to go where people aren't and to do certain things that people can't do. And when we think about visual line of sight, um, that really takes out a lot of the value proposition because it, it says that you need to have people that are actually viewing the drone and within a certain distance of the drone um, to be able to carry out certain types of operations. What's cool about moving towards beyond visual line of sight is that now you don't need those visual observers um, that are on the ground as you're flying your drone to do whatever it is, whether it's a delivery, whether it's an inspection. Um, and in the midway point right now where we're at in terms of trials, um, is something called extended line of sight as a midway point. Um, and currently what's happening right now in, in, in the industry is that there are trials that are taking place. Um, Transport Canada is a part of overseeing some of those trials, a lot of them. Um, and that is being used, the data that, and the learnings and insights from those trials are being used to actually help um, develop um, certain standards and protocols that will hopefully be in the new regulatory packages, um, which will come out a bit sooner, hopefully, than we think. So Bashir, can drones really be utilized in an urban environment without beyond visual line of sight regulation? Technically, no. But when we think about what does line of sight actually mean, um, you, there's things in terms of detect and avoid software and cameras um, and placing remote observers in places where if you're working with the right technology and with the right service providers and the right UTM company, um, some regulators will be more akin to actually letting you do that and looking at that as a trial that can actually help inform their regulation around BVLOS. But to answer your question in short answer, no. So let's get into the really interesting work that Air Matrix is doing. So explain for us um, what your software allows and how that meshes in with a smart city or a connected city. Yeah, so if we think about airspace traditionally, it's kind of being looked at just from a federal context. Um, but as we look at use cases which actually take place below 400 feet, which is actually shorter than certain buildings are, um, there's a huge municipal context here that needs to be understood and appreciated. Um, as soon as a drone actually touches the ground in a municipality, um, the municipality has certain jurisdictions over that drone. Um, and so when we think about 
airspace redesign, when we think about infrastructure that's being placed in cities, um, there has to be a lot of integration that takes place. Integration of different data sources, of different hardware and different sources that all feeds into a central system which can actually manage traffic and actually enable it to scale in a way that's economical, safe and efficient. And that's what Air Matrix does. We essentially build highways in the skies using proprietary data sets and algorithms which feed into neural networks which are actually compatible with various different autopilots um, so that you can actually have interoperability of not just aircrafts but different services as well. And so, so let's talk about how Air Matrix's software really allows for the different use cases of drones in a smart city. So one of the big ones and one of the, the ones that's certainly in the news um, for the most part is delivery. So, so how, can, um, how can a framework of drone delivery um, be, be used and what kind of infrastructure is needed in a smart city to allow for it? There's a physical infrastructure component and then there's a digital infrastructure component. Um, on the physical infrastructure component, um, well, you need things like vertiports, you need charging stations, um, you, need, uh, you, you need space, you need to you know, have parking lots which aren't covered by uh, power lines. Um, you need delivery mailboxes, a lot of cases which are automated. Um, but the digital side is actually, I think, more important and, and actually a bit more of an exciting problem where you have LTE that needs to be covered up in the air um, and moving towards 5G. Uh, you also need data sets which are secure enough. You need maps which are actually precise enough, um, which is a cool thing about our platform is that we have maps which are millimeter level precise and georeference um, so that when an autopilot actually takes in that flight plan, it can actually operate without smashing into a building. Um, those are a couple of things, but you, it's really about that integration between taking the physical infrastructure that's there, actually translating it into digital, um, and then being able to connect that to these drones, which are ultimately gonna be flying more autonomously than piloted. Um, right now we're in that level three in terms of automation, where we have pilots that are still you know, in the loop and they're doing a lot of work, um, but that's gonna transition into one pilot being able to not just operate five drones at a time, but up potentially 10, 15, 20 uh, as new reg packages come along. So other than delivery, what other uses are there for drones it, kind of in the, the ultimate expression of a smart city, but also as cities look to modernize um, their infrastructure, how else can drones contribute to that process? Well, I mean, it sounds kind of crazy to kind of throw this out there, but urban aerial mobility is a thing that's going to happen. And when we think about livability in cities, um, the constraints of 2D traffic are a huge one. Um, and so, whether that's, you know, delivery cars that I saw a Canada Post car that was a truck that was just swerving on the road, the, like, you know, as I was coming to, to visit someone here. Um, and you think about all the delivery trucks and, and cars that are on the ground, a lot of those can go up into the air. Um, and so that enables a lot in terms of livability in a city. Um, but outside of just just that, I think um, when you think about connectivity as well, um, there's so many dead spots in urban areas. Uh, so when you think about 5G, when you think about telecommunications, um, there's a lot of use cases there for drones in urban environments and we're working with, we're proud to be working with Rogers uh, on that. Um, when you think about infrastructure inspection, you always hear about how infrastructure is crumbling. Um, a lot of that's due to the fact that we just don't know it's happening a lot of the time or where it's happening um, and fast enough to be able to make a difference and drones help a lot with that. Um, soft target surveillance. That's another huge use case for drones. Emergency services, there's tons of, of, of use cases for emergency services to use drones in urban environments, especially looking at condo buildings. Um, 
when you look at construction, they're already starting to be used. Real estate, they've already been used. Um, and as we look into the future, even advertising is a, is a, is a new service that can start. Um, so there are a lot of different ones. The ones I'm most excited about ultimately is actually getting people in these. I was sitting in an e-hang uh, a, a little while ago, um, which is a, uh, is a, uh, a VTOL, a vertical takeoff and landing aircraft that can actually fit a person and an organ so that you can actually have transplants where the doctor is actually moving with the organ as well. Um, so those are use cases that I'm really excited about, but it's really about taking what's happening in the air closer to the ground and what's happening in the ground a little up in the air. And if you think about that midway point, that's where a lot of use cases for drones are. That's, um, that's such a good way to describe it. Um, I was particularly interested in your, your reference to 5G. Yeah. Um, certainly yesterday we heard a lot about 5G, about both the inevitability of it, um, but also the massive shift um, in infrastructure required and the, the um, now extensive information that's necessary. So how would you see a drone really contributing to the, the path toward 5G? So something that we're doing with our partners right now in helping with that 5G in, in the region of Waterloo is looking at what does a network proficiency actually look like currently in the air? Um, and a lot of the time people don't, companies, large telcos don't even have this data to start with. And so when you think about the type of infrastructure investment that's necessary to actually deploy 5G, you need to have data on where your dead spots are and what you want to keep as a variable cost in terms of net, the network and what you want to keep as a fixed cost in terms of actually plugging in uh, modems and actually plugging in cell towers. And you need a lot more with 5G than you obviously do for LTE. Um, so as much data that can be gathered that actually helps inform the process around the investment planning, um, that's a huge, huge bad bonus for drones. On top of that, you can actually leverage drones as a connectivity tool um, that can be used and moved around as necessary, as opposed to having to place a fixed one uh, asset, which sometimes is used and sometimes isn't used. Um, so even if you look at network supplementation as well, drones are a great service there. Can you comment at all on the cost difference? You just mentioned how flexible yeah. a drone is as a tool. It yeah. seems to me like that that would amount to a massive cost savings, being yeah. able to, to move around that information gathering tool. Yeah, it is. We're still in the data gathering phase in terms of understanding what the full costs are. Um, so I can't comment too much on that, but I can say that it is at least half an order of magnitude currently um, in terms of how, how big of a deal it is. Um, but there's still a lot of like there's still a lot of R&D that needs to happen around 5G in urban areas. And I think that's where we're at right now um, to really fully get into that. But it's definitely uh, a much cheaper solution than if you were to put up um, 5G base stations everywhere. That's for sure. A lot cheaper. But I can't tell you the exact numbers yet. Fair enough. You, you mentioned the interplay here with municipalities and municipal governments. What, um, what in your view can municipal governments do to really continue to leverage drones and, and continue to push this discussion forward and, and the, um, the implementation of the technology that's out there? Well, selfishly, first, I'd say you should come talk to us at Aerometrics. Um, but secondly, I would say that having a, an idea of who your end users are in your city is really important. Um, so if, if, if it's possible, knowing, okay, if, if you have a healthcare cluster, for example, in your city, um, going to them and saying, hey, listen, you know, what have you thought about, you know, logistics and, and, and using drones in your, in your, in your toolkit um, and kind of gaining feedback from end users um, is really helpful. 
because it kind of gives you a sense as to what the possibilities really are. And, and sometimes cities haven't, I mean, battling with so many different things, they don't have the time even necessarily to always go talk to people about this stuff. But getting an understanding of what your end users are um, and also thinking about how you want to, how you want to actually design and what sort of revenue models you might want to actually have with that. Um, because while there will be ultimately a centralized UTM system that happens at the federal level, there's nothing to deny or stop um, an interface from being from 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 taking place at some sort of municipal level um, that links back into that centralized system as well. Um, and that's the cool thing about the work that's being done um, is that if you're getting involved now with private enterprises like Air Matrix or with Transport Canada, um, it's a good place to be in terms of thinking about what are the municipalities' interests around privacy. Uh, around data security, um, around, you know, where, you know, drones should and shouldn't fly according to the actual, you know, citizens of that municipality and not just thinking about what, um, you know, um, an arcane large organization thinks. So I think about getting that citizen interaction ahead of time um, and getting feedback from your citizens and your end users, I think that's a really good thing to do. That's really helpful. So my one impression that I have of the participants in the drone industry, being it, it being such a new, um, a new industry in Canada and globally, is that it's quite siloed. So there are very few companies who are really connecting all of the technology together. So, so let's talk a bit about the technology that's out there. Does the technology exist for drones to safely and reliably be deployed in a smart city now? The tech definitely exists, but you're totally right. It exists in silos for the most part of right now. And so the big word of the day is integration. Um, integration is something that needs to happen, whether it's great hardware and software, uh, whether it's great data and software, um, whether it's physical infrastructure and digital infrastructure, that integration is what's currently happening right now. Um, and so what's, what that integration is allowing for is that sort of standardization and the robustness of that technology to exist within singular platforms, as opposed to having to go and get it from all these different silos and bring it together, just so that you can have some compliance from Transport Canada. Um, to give you an example of that, uh, a lot of drones right now um, that are being sold supposedly for commercial operations in urban environments don't have a parachute on them. I'm not saying that parachutes are here to stay, but if they are a part of the regulations right now, it doesn't make sense to be selling them without it. Um, so what, what the integration allows for in companies like Air Matrix, where we work with integrating the autopilot with the digital and physical infrastructure of that specific city, um, is, is that you, you allow your unit economics to be a lot better. Um, and you actually have use cases that can scale. Um, and a lot of these issues around the kind of technological gaps become overcome. Um, but that integration is, is really necessary, both on the hardware side and the software side. So we have a question from the audience and I'll, I'll get to that in just one moment, but a term that I've heard you use in the past is one called interoperability. Yeah. Is, that, is that this concept that you've been talking about, about integration or is that something different? Well, it's net, integration is necessary to have interoperability in the sense where you need to have the integration of right data sources to allow for different operators to do different things in their own world and still have the right data be able to connect to one another so that you have the right level of situational awareness for safety, right? Um, if, if Hydro One is doing an inspection over here and Canada Post or another company or, you know, 
a pharmacy wants to do a delivery somewhere else and their paths are going to be close to one another. Um, you need to have some level of integration between the actual drone that's in the sky, as well as the ground control station on the ground and the traffic manager side of things on the dashboard so that they can actually enforce separation stand potentially or trigger dynamic rerouting in case there's a conflict that needs to be avoided. Um, these are the real kind of safety issues which lead themselves to need uh, integration, which helps for that interoperability. Because if we only have deliveries, for example, taking place in the sky and they're only being done by a few companies, that's not actually going to help the industry scale. That's not actually going to help smart cities. Um, we need to have different use cases by different operators. You need to have competition in the market as well. Um, and the only way to allow for that to happen is by having that interoperability of services and aircraft. Um, and to have that interoperability, you need to have a lot of integration that takes place on the tech side. So, so Bashir, we have a question from the audience, from James Castle, and um, I'm not sure if you can see it, but I'll, I'll read it out. Um, you're the, you're the um, technical expert on this, so, so I'll put it to you. So James says, you were referring to UAV or UAS, but 5G drops on USB, USRV, UGV, UUV, and other RPAS tech. What type of drones are you specializing your information on? Is that, yeah. is that a technical question you can answer? Um, I can answer it a little more generally than that, which is to say that the types of drones that we're specializing our information on are on, quad, on copters as well as fixed wing aircraft. Um, in terms of the UUV, UGV, stuff, I think I'd have to like refer to one of my engineers on that. Fair enough. It's, it, it takes a village to answer yeah. a lot of us. Yeah. Um, so, so then um, with that, Bashir, do you have any final comments about what you think can really um, drive, drive drones forward in Canada and smart cities in particular? Uh, I think for one, it's, it's for cities to kind of get ahead of the curve. Um, this is one of the industries where you can actually get ahead of the ball instead of being reactive to it. And that's really cool. Uh, and when you think about drones, that drones are coming a lot faster than autonomous vehicles are. They're already being used. Um, a lot of them are being, I mean, they have some semi-autonomous features that are already being present uh, and people are using them on a day-to-day -day basis. And so, and it's only natural because when you're dealing with three dimensions as opposed to 2D, there's a lot less variables you have to deal with in terms of people walking their dog, pedestrians, strollers, um, and all sorts of other issues that you just don't have to deal with in the air, um, where, where you mainly are focused on manned aircraft and birds, for example, um, and buildings. So, and, th and those are fixed structures. So I think that because of the kind of opportunity here, it's important that cities get ahead of the ball. Um, you can go, to, I mean, whether it's at the FCM, Federation of Canadian Municipalities, um, at individual city levels, at regional levels, like the region of Waterloo is doing an amazing job um, with all the different municipalities in the region. Um, we, it's been a pleasure to work with them. So, I mean, Waterloo is the tech capital of Canada. So, I mean, I think that other cities will start to uh, hopefully take notice and, and follow suit as well. That's great. Well, um, Bishir, thank you so much uh, for spending the time with us. I am quite confident that, that this is not the last time that um, smart cities will will come up um, in, in the drone discussion, nor, nor the opposite, the first time, the last time drones will come up in the smart city discussion. So thank you very much for your, for your insight and, and forward look to this. Dentons is a global legal practice providing client services worldwide through its member firms and affiliates. This episode is not designed to provide legal or other advice. 
and you should not take and refrain from taking action based on its contents. Please see Dentons.com for legal notices. Speakers from this podcast episode and any other professional in our group will be pleased to speak with you on today's topic or any other topic related to smart cities. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for other episodes in our Smart Cities Chat podcast series.